0: All right, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 69. Psalm 69, we'll read just one verse as we get started, but then we are going to back up and look at this psalm, establish context so that we really can fully appreciate what David is trying to communicate here. Um, and so this is also a messianic psalm. It is uh, largely interpreted as being the Lord Jesus expressing what he is feeling as he's on the cross, going to the cross. Uh, and enduring the cross on our behalf. And so, uh, but David is communicating with us. And in verse number 30, uh, uh, he says this, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. And so as we look this morning, that will be more powerful in a moment as we see the rest of the context of the, of the scripture here. Uh, but I want to speak this morning on this thought with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Fathers, we begin this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your love, for your leadership, for your compassion in our hearts. Thank you that you're with us in the midst of whatever life brings our way. Lord, whether it's difficult or or whether it's a time of rejoicing, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to appreciate your presence in every step of life. Lord, I pray that you'd work in hearts this morning if there's someone here that's never put their faith and trust in you as their Savior. Lord, I pray this morning that they would come to clearly understand the gospel that they would be obedient to your leading in their heart and that you would help them to put their faith and trust in you. Lord, as we examine your word, Holy Spirit, may you examine our hearts and Lord, may we understand and reflect and uh, Lord, even be rebuked at times that we complain about the things that we perceive that we're going without rather than rejoicing in all that you do for us. Lord, may our minds be adjusted to focus on the goodness of you in our lives. Lord, help us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you look here at this psalm, and we're going to back up to verse number one here and just kind of establish some things. David says in verse one, Save me, O God, for the waters are coming into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. And David, right off the bat here, is expressing that sense of being overwhelmed. And I think all of us, if we, if we really, we try to put those things out of our mind. We try to get past them. Uh, but they're, they're, if you're in a season now where you're not overwhelmed, praise God for that, uh, there are going to be seasons of being overwhelmed that are going to cycle back through life. It's important that we realize that it's not, if I, if I live in a state of being perpetually overwhelmed, I'm not spiritually healthy. But no matter what I face, and no matter how strong and close my walk with God is, there are going to be times when the circumstances of life are going to be overwhelming. Uh, there are going to be times when, uh, when it just is going to feel like you can't, you can't breathe, you can't see uh, a way out, you can't understand how to grow, uh, you don't understand what God's trying to accomplish and do in your life. Uh, it seems like everything that you do just, just turns bad uh, and that the the people that should support you the most and, uh, and help you to grow the most oftentimes are the ones that turn on you uh, and often viciously uh, and it's hard to make sense of that and David certainly is someone who lived that and you know when we look at this psalm I cannot definitively say that this, David is at this moment in this verse pointing to this particular season of his life or that particular season of his life. I can look at David's life and see that uh, he is a man that was said to be a man after God's own heart. He is a man who committed great and vile sin. He had massive failure spiritually. Uh, and yet God still loved him and God still came to his aid. God still lifted him up. God still encouraged him. Uh, and it, it just, no matter what David had to endure, God was always there. God was always working in his life. God was always uh, working to, in the midst of his chaste- of his chastisement and his leading, God also was still working to express his love and blessing. Uh, just to, to put it in a little bit of context for those of you who may uh, not be as familiar with David's life this morning. Uh, David was a king and he endured great harsh uh, times of harshness uh, by the previous king as he had been anointed by God and he had to even flee in the wilderness for his own life uh, for a period of time until God put him on uh, the throne of Israel. And as God put him there, uh, like all of us tend to do, he got more comfortable uh, with his role and his position. Uh, He began to take some shortcuts to not uh, do some things that he should have done. And the Bible tells in First Samuel that, uh, that even after the great victory over Goliath and the time where God sustained him in the wilderness as he fled from Saul, uh, that now on the throne of Israel, Uh, When a time when he should have gone out to battle, the Bible says, at times when kings went forth to battle, he decided to stay home. He sees a beautiful Bathsheba bathing on her roof. Uh, He sends for her. He commits adultery with her. Then he summons her husband from the battlefield and tries to get him to go home and spend some time with his wife so that everyone will assume that the child is his. Uh, And uh, he will not go. He is more honorable than David the king. Uh, So David sends him to take his own death warrant back to the front lines uh, where he is put in the forefront of the battle and he is slain. Uh, And so David now commits murder. He is confronted. Uh, by the prophet Nathan as he comes to him and he says he lays out an elaborate uh, illustration of what's happened and David is furious at the illustration and the response and he says the man that's done this that's stolen from someone that, uh, that that was the only thing that they had and, uh, and they wanted to, uh, to uh, you know they had plenty of their own but they wanted to take one from that one uh, and so David says that man's got to be executed and then the prophet tells him you're the man You've done this. And God pronounces sentence upon David. He says, this is the cost of your sin. Four of your sons will die. Uh, And so the baby dies. And then he has a son who rapes uh, his half sister, who is the full sister of Absalom. And so as Absalom waits for two years for David to, to uh, bring justice for uh, the, the act that Amnon has committed upon his sister Tamar, uh, and David does not execute judgment upon his son, uh, Absalom takes matters into his own hands and he kills his brother. And then he flees. And there's a whole series of time where there's no forgiveness and there's partial forgiveness and bitterness is formed in the hearts and Absalom finally comes back to Jerusalem but David won't see him and then uh, he finally uh, brings him in and Absalom is in the gate but he steals the hearts of the people and finally tries to steal David's throne and drives him out of the city all in fulfillment of David's punishment for this sin until finally Absalom is slain uh, by Joab in battle. And then David weeping and grieving uh, goes through all that process throughout his life. And that's his greatest failure. Uh, It's not his only failure. It's not the only sin that he commits, but it uh, it is more grievous than most of us could bear. And so as David is laying on his deathbed and then uh, passes. He has another son, Adonijah, who uh, who does not, who tries to us- usurp his brother Solomon's place on the throne. Uh, and ultimately, due to his scheming, Solomon has to have his brother executed to preserve uh, the will of God and the line that God wants on the throne of Israel. So four sons have died. I'm just telling you that David understands what it's like to grieve. He understood what it was like to be overwhelmed. He understood what it was like to flee for his life for years in the wilderness, to be hunted like an animal by the king, by the most powerful man in his nation. He did all of that and at times felt overwhelmed. There are times that he hid with the enemy, that he feigned uh, madness so that his life would be preserved. And David then continues here in verse 4 as he talks about the, the weeping and the weeping of lost sons, the weeping of bad decisions that he's made and the sin in his life. And he says in verse four, they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. And they that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully are mighty then. I an, Then I answered and said that, uh, that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. Listen, we all make, Bad choices. We all at times choose to sin, uh, and we have to bear the responsibility of that sin. But thank God, Jesus loved us enough that He died on the cross to pay for our sin and to reconcile us to God. I praise the Lord for that. But that doesn't change the fact that when I'm carrying that sin in my life and it's not confessed and forgiven, that I'm I'm bearing that load. It's overwhelming. And sometimes we hang on to our sin. And it crushes us. And it doesn't have to. Listen, if you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior this morning, you have been set at liberty from that if you will walk with the Lord and allow Him to lift the burden. Uh, That's the, the, the life that God envisions for you and that God wants you to have. But the reality is, is that we all at times are foolish. We all at times do things that uh, we shouldn't do. We make decisions that we shouldn't make. Sometimes we uh, let our flesh have have its way and uh, and win the day, and then we pay the price. Verse six: Let them not, uh, <clears throat> let them that let not them that wait on thee, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. And here David is expressing those that uh, listen. I've, I'm the king, and I've sinned. And because of my sin, there are those that truly are seeking the Lord who could be dissuaded from continuing to seek the Lord. Listen, and the reality is is that when when there's sin in in the pulpit, when there's sin among Sunday school teachers and deacons in the leadership of a church, uh, and that's brought out to the forefront, it has a very detrimental and damaging effect on uh, many people within the congregation. And David essentially is expressing that. In this verse when he says, hey, I'm the king, I've sinned, my sin has caused others to lose heart. So his prayer is this, God, don't let them lose heart. Let them be encouraged, let them them not be ashamed for my sake. Don't let them fall by the wayside because of my sin. In verse 7, because for thy sake I have borne reproach, shame hath covered my face, and David is owning his sin. By the way, the messianic application of this is that uh, Jesus is expressing the shame of our sin that he's bearing on the cross and uh, and and uh, the, the message really this morning is not about that but I don't want you to miss going back and taking time to review this and study it this week and uh, and looking at how uh, what Jesus experienced on the cross is much of what David is expressing knowing that Messiah would come someday but not knowing everything or fully understanding everything that he would endure but he beautifully expresses what Jesus Jesus experienced emotionally and physically an abuse on the cross. And in verse eight, I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up and reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was, that was too my reproach. I made sackcloth also of my garment and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was the song of the drunkards. He's saying now I'm, I'm I've been mocked. Those that are in power have turned on me and are uh, and are dragging me down. But as for me, in verse 13, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me. In the truth of thy salvation, deliver me out of the mire, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me. Back to his reference in verse 1 of being overwhelmed. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant. For I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. I think all of us if we look in our heart. We would, would, could relate to the fact that there are times when we know that. I'm spiritually today in, I'm in trouble. I, I'm sinking under the weight of the world. I'm sinking under the burden of my sin. That I just can't bring myself to let go of. To let God have. He prays draw nigh unto my soul. And redeem it. Deliver me because of mine enemies. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My adversaries all are before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness and I look for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Of course, Jesus Cried that he thirsted and was given that on the cross. Let their table become a snare before them and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not and make their loins continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate and let none dwell in their tents. For they persecute him Whom thou hast smitten, and they talk the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. The weight, the sorrow, the grief. David's praying, now he responds, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. When you stop and you look and reflect, it's so easy to praise the Lord when everything's going great. It's so easy to rejoice when, uh, when everything is all lined up and fallen into place. When everything just falls the way that you think it should and blessings are rolling in and, uh, and God's power is expressed. Listen, I'm, I'm just looking at this this morning as we go into this week of Thanksgiving and saying that no matter what we face in life, no matter what our circumstances, no matter how overwhelmed we may feel or how blessed we may feel, may we enter it truly with a thankful heart. David comes here and he says, listen, I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to praise my God with a song and I'm going to magnify him with thanksgiving. The word thanksgiving simply means rendering thanks for goods received. The act of rendering thanks or expressing gratitude for favors or mercies. Listen, God has bestowed his favor upon you. He's blessed you. Pastor, you don't know the illness that I've had to bear, and you don't know this that I've had to do. I understand that sometimes life is hard, but God's still working on your life. And God can use even our difficult circumstances in life to bring himself glory and to work in life. I rejoiced this morning. I got, uh, while I was out of town this last 10 or 12 days or so, uh, I got two or three different phone calls throughout the course of uh, of folks in our church that have had had surgical procedures or they've had uh, exploratory type of surgeries where uh, biopsies were taken and cancer was expected and was sought out, Uh, and in every case, uh, and it doesn't always work out this way, uh, but this week it happened to work out this way. In every case, uh, the call came back and said, praise the Lord, Pastor, I'm rejoicing uh, because I have no cancer or my husband has no cancer or my wife has no cancer uh, and the recovery is good. I met one of those folks in the hallway this morning and uh, they, they feel better than they felt in a long time because uh, things have just been cared for and, and emotionally the burden's been lifted and, uh, and the weight is off of their shoulders and their heart and their life. And uh, I'm, I just am saying this morning, if you're going through a tough week, uh, I, I understand it's hard, but God still loves you and he cares for you and he wants you to embrace what he's put in your life because in so doing you learn to walk with him and you experience him in a deeper way and uh, and he shows himself mighty on your behalf and even if his choice for your life in this moment is to not deliver you from your predicament, he's still going to reveal himself to you in such a way that you wouldn't trade the harsh reality of your life for the experience that you're about to have with God. And David, as he lays it out here, he says, I'm going to worship my God. It's reminiscent of Job's attitude when his uh, wealth is all taken and his children are all dead. And, uh, and he goes out broken and weeping and worships. Is our first response whenever hardship comes to worship God? To offer thanksgiving? Listen, it's, it's, uh, it's appalling as you look at the news in just this last week at how uh, there are elements of, uh, of society that want to, to, to take away Thanksgiving and make it a national day of mourning. It's a real thing. And we need to understand this morning that, listen, we just want to thank God. No, we ought to be thanking God every day. But it's a wonderful tradition that we have uh, as a nation to take and to stop at the end of what was for uh, the people who celebrated it uh, a very difficult year. You understand and you think back in 1620 when the pilgrims came across in that, uh, on that small little boat. And if you've ever seen a replica of the Mayflower uh, you and you understand how many people were on it, it is amazing that they would cross an ocean in that thing. I wouldn't want to cross one of the Great Lakes in that thing. Uh, but, I mean, just a tiny little vessel. And God brought them across off course in Plymouth, Massachusetts. to so one of the harshest winters recorded. And half of them died. And at the end of the year, as they faced the next winter, they stopped to give thanks. They didn't stop to complain. They didn't stop to say, God, where are you? They didn't stop and say, God, you failed us. They fled religious persecution and they came to a new world and they learned how to adapt and to, uh, to integrate. And God uh, put uh, people in their life that were already here uh, to help them and to teach them so that they would survive. Uh, and they survived. And their response was not anger. It was not bitterness. It was not, God, how could you? It was not, God, you abandoned us. It's, let's stop and give thanks. Let's rejoice that God has brought us through. And what a great testimony of a founded nation upon religious liberty. Those seeking to worship God in their, in their true and own way. As they look and give thanks to God. And I just want to just share four thoughts quickly about this this morning. Now that we understand the weight of what David is expressing here. You know, if you just come and just read this verse and think, hey, I'm going to sing a song to God and worship him and give some thanks, that's a good thing. But he did it in the harshest of circumstances and the heaviest weight and the, uh, and the greatest burdens of life. What does that do? Number one, this morning, consider that thanksgiving magnifies God. When I praise God in my difficulties of life, I am magnifying God over, instead of magnifying my problems. Our natural disposition is to magnify the problem. It is to let the problem blow up and take over and overwhelm. Rather than to magnify God in the midst of the problem. It's been said that that immature Christians take small problems and make them big. And big Christians, mature Christians take big problems and make them small. How will I react in the difficulties of life? Because listen, it's just a fact of life that life sometimes is hard. And it can either destroy my walk with God or it can help God strengthen my faith and my trust in him. Thanksgiving, in the midst of adversity especially, brings honor and glory glory to God. It magnifies God. And the the sole purpose of the Christian life primarily is to bring glory to God. That manifests itself in a lot of different ways in our obedience, but we want to be bringing glory uh, to God. How does it do that? Well, just a couple of thoughts here about magnifying God. It makes God bigger in your life. I don't need God to be minimized in my life. I need God to be bigger in my life. One of the things that I love whenever I get on the road and travel, especially uh, if I'm going someplace that's, uh, it's, this is a greater effect if you're traveling west, but, uh, but even uh, traveling east to some degree, especially being from southeast Texas here, uh, I mean, we look at a fire hill. That's about the closest thing we've got to a mountain. Right? A yeah. Firehand Hill. And so when we look at there and we see that horrible thing and uh, and we think, oh, wow, uh, we, we got up into uh, into East Tennessee last week and uh, took a day and we just kind of drove around the town that we lived in there for 11 years and went up to a place where our, there's a lake up on top of, there's a lake at the base of the mountain, uh, right at the end of the Ocoee River and there's a lake up on top of the mountain. And so uh, we drove up there. We didn't hike back to the waterfalls this time, but uh, we drove up there and there's still a lot of brilliant colors in different places. Most of the peak had clearly passed. But there were still places where there was just some beautiful, vibrant, uh, brilliant color. And then uh, a couple days later, before the rain came in, we figured the rain's going to take the rest of the leaves off. So we, we kind of rushed up and got into the, uh, to the Smoky Mountains National Park and, uh, and spent a day just kind of driving around and, uh, and seeing if we could spot some bears. We actually saw more bears than we did deer, uh, which when we first lived there, you, you hardly ever saw a black bear, but you'd see a lot of deer. We, we didn't see that many deer. Uh, we didn't see that many turkey this time, but we probably saw 15 bear, uh, and, and some of them just out close to public parking lots and just, just laying there and enjoying the evening. Uh, and so we love that kind of stuff, and we love the brilliant colors, and, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but when you're, when you're going up and you get there and you see way off in the distance a mountain. And for miles, you can see it sometimes. You travel west. I remember traveling west across Interstate 40 years ago. And the first time I traveled that way on that highway. And about the time not long after you cross the state line from New Mexico into uh, Arizona, uh, you can see Mount Humphreys. Mount Humphreys, the the city of Flagstaff, is about 7,500 feet of elevation on Mount Humphreys. Uh, Mount Humphreys, you don't think of Arizona as being, having high mountains. It's over a 12,000 foot mountain. We've seen snow flurries there in May and in August as we've traveled through. And for probably a hundred miles in the distance, you can on a clear day, you can see that mountain off in the horizon. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in the window the closer you get. Listen, what's getting bigger in the window for you this morning? Is it the problems and the burdens of your life or is it the God of your life? The problems are there. They're always going to be there. As long as we live and breathe on this earth, there's going to be burdens to carry. It's just the harsh reality of life. Am I going to focus on the problem or am going to focus on God? Problems are there and they need to be dealt with for sure. But they shouldn't overwhelm us in life. They shouldn't steal our joy. They shouldn't cripple our walk with God. And if we'll trust in him and lean on him and remain grateful and focused on the good things that God has done, even in the midst of hardship and adversity, then God will be glorified. What do I mean by thanksgiving, magnifying God? It makes God bigger in your life. Listen, I want God to get bigger in my life every day. I don't want it to be minimized. The second thing I would say is that it makes God bigger in the life of your children. Listen, if you've got children of any age, this applies to you this morning. Whether your children are adults or whether your children are uh, are very small or somewhere in between. When you make God big, it makes God big to them. Am I going to cripple my children's walk with God because I minimize God and I am overwhelmed by my problems? or Am I going to allow God to be glorified with a thankful heart and spirit and make God bigger in the life of my children. You know, sometimes us older parents need to realize that even our adult children need to see us make God bigger. Sometimes they need to see us worship and praise the Lord in adversity. It's not, you know, that we've graduated past up part in our life, so now we can wallow. The only thing that we need to wallow in is the presence of the Lord. Let God have the victory. Thanksgiving magnifies God. Secondly, this morning, considering that Thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God. Thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God. Psalm 95 in verse number two, the Bible says, let's back up to verse number one. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Will I worship him? Thanksgiving brings me into the presence of God. Praise to God softens the heart. You know, there have been times in my life where I've just kind of like let my heart get hard, not hard like in the sense that God, I don't want anything to do with you, but hard as in I haven't felt God move in my life and, I'm, and I've got a heavy burden in life to carry and it's just kind of like a callous. It's just kind of self-preservation. I don't want this to hurt, so I'm going to let it harden over, callous over, and then go into a place where I worshiped and God connected with me. And God broke me down, and it was sweet, and the tears well up, and uh, and uh, and God moves in a great way. What I'm saying is, I'm saying when we praise God in the midst of adversity, it strength, it softens the heart. I, we don't need hardened hearts. We need to be vulnerable to God. I understand uh, that as we face the world, that sometimes we need to be able to uh, have some tenacity and be tough. But I don't need to be tough in my prayer closet. I need to be humble. I need to be vulnerable. I need to let God in and I need to let God work. And thanksgiving brings me into the presence of God and praise to God softens the heart. Psalm 100 in verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Praise drives away my sin. It's hard to praise God when you're in the midst of sin. When you know you're sinning, when you know that you're defying God, when you know that you're going against what God would have you do, it's awful difficult in that moment to praise him. Praise to God will drive me away from my sin. It's not that I'm not capable of sinning. We always are. But it's not going to dominate my life. I I can't live in known open sin uh, and defy God and praise him at the same time. God knows the difference. Some people might be fooled by that, but God's never fooled by that. Thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God. Thirdly, this morning, consider this. Thanksgiving is to be a part of prayer. It should be a part of our prayer life. We should be continually offering up our prayers in, with thanksgiving to God. In Philippians, uh, the Bible tells us that, as Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, uh, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Listen, be be mindful that I need to be expressing uh, gratitude in my prayer life to my Father. Thanksgiving is to be a part of prayer. Two thoughts about this. Number one, a thankful spirit will be heard. All of us appreciate an expression of gratitude. All of us like it. All of us are encouraged. All of us feel loved. Whenever someone that we've reached out to comes and expresses gratitude for investing time, helping with a problem, showing care, coming to their aid. When someone that has been in need and has been hurting, is going through difficulty and you're there for them and they come and they express that gratitude. It makes you feel appreciated and loved and I've made a good investment of my time and my energy. Listen, we're made in the image of God. God doesn't feel any different. He wants us to come to him and say, Father, thank you that you met my need. Father, thank you that I could bring my burdens to you and you've heard me. Father, thank you that you have have borne my sin on the cross and you care about me, a thankful spirit will be heard. What, uh, what person would ever turn away someone who just simply seeks to express to them their gratitude? Not only that, but a thankful spirit invites mercy. You know, it's amazing how whenever I've done something and God's getting ready to drop the hammer and I confess it and forsake it and then rejoice, not to manipulate God, but just coming to God as he works in my life, that it invites mercy. Rebellion invites chastening. Gratitude invites mercy. I think if we went around this morning, I don't think anybody would say, I'd rather have God's wrath than God's mercy. We all want mercy. Do we express gratitude? Do we have a relationship with God that invites his mercy? Or do we have an attitude and a spirit that invites his wrath? and judgment. Thanksgiving is to be a part of prayer. And then lastly this morning, consider that Thanksgiving is a mark of spiritual maturity. Thanksgiving in the midst of adversity reveals what my true walk with God is like. Colossians chapter two, in verses five through seven, the Bible says, for though I be absent in the flesh, Paul speaking to the church at Colossae, yet I am with you in the spirit Joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Listen, the Christian life as we grow and develop in maturity in our Christian walk should be abounding in our faith and our thankfulness to God. Thanksgiving is a mark of spiritual maturity. If I am going through difficulties and I would rather curse God than express gratitude to God, I'm not showing myself to be very mature as a Christian. Two thoughts as we close this morning. Number one, a thankful spirit is natural fruit in a mature Christian's life. It's a natural response. The initial response may be, Harsh, the flesh kinda interjects itself, but when we sit down and when we calm ourselves and we go to the Lord in prayer and we express gratitude to the Lord, the Holy Spirit just moves in and brings us back to a spiritual reality that says, Our nature is, God, I am my Christian my spiritual nature is, God, I, I wanna I wanna glorify you in this circumstance. If it's a disease, if it's an injustice, if it's a, a hardship in life, God I I don't wanna Disgrace you. I don't want to dishonor you. I want to glorify you in the midst of this. How do I do that? Be thankful. Be thankful. It takes a special walk with God to be able to rejoice and to glorify him in the midst of adversity. And the second thing here on being a mark of spiritual maturity is this a mature Christian life will abound with thanksgiving. It abounds with thanksgiving. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll have a conversation with someone and they're going through a tough time and they haven't responded well and they'll, they'll, they'll see it, they'll adjust. Oh yes, I, I'm sorry Lord, uh, I'm, 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 I'm thankful. And they're sincere, they mean that. But they're not abounding in thanksgiving. The mature Christian's life is abounding in thanksgiving. It, it, it is the outflow of the inflow. It's God. what God in my walk with him has poured into me When I'm squeezed is what comes out. And the reality is just that. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. When pressure comes, when life crushes us, when life is hard, what's truly inside is what comes out. You can't contain it. Hey, when things are easy, it's easy to contain some bitterness. It's easy to contain anger. It's easy to contain frustration. It's easy to contain hurt when things are easy. But when the pressures of life come, what comes out? In the life of a mature Christian, in the midst of every circumstance, though there may be a crying out to God for relief, with it is an expression of thanksgiving for what God has done for you. God's working. God, you're here with me. I'm grateful when I have to go through difficulties in life, I don't have to go alone. I'm grateful that I know that no matter what, God loves me. I'm grateful that if the whole world were to turn against me, I would stand there with my Savior. I wouldn't have to stand alone. How are you standing this morning? Can you leave here today, go through this week, sit down on Thursday, and thank God sincerely, worshipfully. Lord, you've been so good to me. Even when it doesn't feel like it, I know you're there. I know you're good. I know you love me. Will we love him this morning? Would we enter this week? Would we enter his presence? Will we sing his praises with thanksgiving?